Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I am your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 33 of the podcast. Welcome back, guys, to week three of the semester. Uh, I'm calling this podcast Productivity and Why Goals Matter, and I have an awesome interview for you today. I know I hinted at it last week because I, I had it scheduled, but I just, you know, I never, I didn't have it done yet. So I wanted to, I didn't want to um, bust anyone's bubble in case, uh, you know, for whatever reason, one of us had to postpone. But I'm happy to report to you that I did uh, get the chance to interview Zachary Sexton on Friday. And he is somebody I'm going to talk about in a little bit as to why I think he'd be a great person for you guys to listen to. So before we get into that, uh, let's start off with a quick tip. So it's week three. You guys should probably be kind of full in on to lectures now. If uh, you're in uh, traditional classes, you are probably listening to a lot of lectures, and hopefully you're taking notes. If you're on an, in an online class, it's a little different. Sometimes, uh, sometimes professors do record audio lectures and, and post them in their online courses for people to listen to or they make videos, and in that case, you wanna be taking notes on the videos. Uh, sometimes they'll just re-offer uh, text-based uh, type of lectures or PowerPoints, um, just because it's all in front of you and you don't necessarily have to capture it like you do in, an on, uh, in a traditional class, doesn't mean you don't have to take notes. Taking notes is your way of encoding the information into your brain. So it's not enough to just sit there and read the material and say, okay, I got it. Just like it's not enough to sit in class and stare at the professor and just take in everything he's saying. Uh, you may think you can retain a lot of info that way, but um, the, the evidence seems, would seem to contradict you. So that's why note-taking is so important. Uh, get off to a good start this semester with taking notes. And my tip really is regarding what you do after you take the notes. Block out 15 minutes the day after you have class and review those notes. Put this in your calendar and sort of make it a routine that you do every, say, if you have a class on Tuesday at 4, you know, from 4 to 7 or something, make it a point to review the notes that you took in that class on Wednesday, you know, whenever. Uh, if you can't get to it, then Thursday the latest. I, I usually would have told students uh, when I was in my research study, 24 to 48 hours, but really 24 is optimal. Re just review those notes and you sort of re-encode them in your brain. And it's sort of kind of, if you think of like an ink pad, you know, and you have a stamp and you kind of stamp that, you, you, you know, dab it in the ink pad and then you stamp it on a piece of paper. Uh, if you don't push that hard, right, it's kind of like a light, you know, outline of it or not, not too heavily shaded, you know, that might be the, think of that as like your first impression of the content. The first time you listen to a lecture, the first time you read, you know, some kind of online text, going back over and reviewing the notes the next day is sort of taking that ink and just pushing it down into the paper a little harder. You know, you get that more defined impression um, more of it is going to stick with you. If you are in a really hard class or you take really sloppy notes, try and take a few minutes extra and rewrite your notes uh, instead of reviewing them. Yeah, it's going to take you a little bit longer. You probably don't even need 15 minutes to review notes. You know, 5 to 10 is probably fine. Uh, I'd say 15 just in case uh, you might need to look something up or kind of if you record, go back and listen to something. Um, the more ways you can encode something, you know, you listen to the material, you write it down in your own words, you look at it again, um, looking at it again the next day and reading it out loud, even better uh, than just reading it silently to yourself. Okay, so with that, let's get into our question of the day from Reddit. And this one, I don't know, it might be a little depressing, but I feel I need to talk about this a little bit. So post is titled, my friends and I regret majoring in the humanities. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of read some excerpts. So I did it with no debt, yet I still regret it. The only job I found after being 
unemployed for five months after graduation was one paying $10 an hour in retail. Now I make $12, but I do a lot more. One of my friends who I met on the job, almost 29, same major as me, never has had a paid vacation in her life and is only now making more than $8 an hour. My other friend from college was going to be a bartender. That was the only job she could find. We both graduated from one of the top colleges in the nation, like didn't like it did for the most, I don't know what that means. She was also a language major. Another friend, French major, has only found a job of four hours a week part-time and works in an unpaid internship after she graduated in May. Uh, there's no money in the humanities unless you are already rich. I'm not happy about this. I thought graduating debt-free from a top college would help me, or at least not hurt me, but it seems my choice of major is hindering things. Almost everyone wants computer science, engineering, finance, accounting. All right, there, throw rock away, <laughs> the name of the poster here on Reddit. Um, yeah, this is a big problem for college students, and it sort of illustrates this, I hate to say it, but kind of like a lie you guys were sold. <laughs> and, it, and it's, I guess I could say it's because I was sold the lie too. Um, the lie is, and you probably heard it from potentially parents, guidance counselors, teachers, high school teachers, family members, um, anyone and everyone, basically. If, if you guys were like my family growing up and my surroundings, the expectation was you were going to college. Um, and I went to college in 1996, and it was, you know, very much the, the expectation in my family and in sort of my the area of the world I grew up in, um, suburban Long Island, you know, most of the people in my high school went to college and we did it because we were told that that was what we were supposed to do. We didn't do it because, uh, you know, it was something of a conscious choice, although I, I probably would have liked to go to college. Um, and the, the, the promise was if you go to college, study hard, you get good grades you get your degree, there will be a job waiting for you when you get out. <laughs> and I pretty much believe this. And I have to say back when I was in school, it was easier. And I think the lie was a little bit less of a lie than it is these days. Uh, I was able to get a job right after graduating, not in the field that I majored in, um, but in the field that I had a dinky little part-time job, senior year of college that just helped me kind of scrape buy and pay the bills. And that was what led to my opportunity into, you know, my career. I majored in English and here I am. Yeah, I'm a teacher, but I'm, a, I'm into psychiatric rehabilitation. You know, I went the psychology route. I don't think getting a psychology degree versus an English degree would have meant dick. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't matter. This poster is correct that certain majors do matter. You know, he illustrated a few of them. What did he say? computer science, engineering, finance, and accounting. And he's probably right. Um, but that doesn't mean the rest of the degrees out there are bullshit. The reason I'm telling you this is it's sort of a lie. Uh, there is no guarantee of a job waiting for you out there. And I, I suspect nowadays kids going into college probably know this a little bit more than I knew it. Uh, and that's why standing out in some other way is important. So it used to be, you know, you got the, the high school, this is, we're talking, you know, 70s and prior, you got the high school diploma, and that was sort of like, you know, the entranceway into the working world. Now everything's been ratcheted up and sort of the associates or the bachelor's degree has sort of replaced the diploma in terms of like the bare necessities to kind of qualify for most jobs that are worth paying. <laughs> Uh, worth going for. So I, that's why I urge people to kind of follow their passion and do other shit besides college. So whether that be an internship or starting your own kind of enterprise or a blog or a podcast or volunteering or doing lab research, um, getting involved in extracurriculars, you know, all of those things, you know, you were told in high school, right? This all matters so you can get into college. Now these things sort of all matter so you could get a job. And it's not all of them that matter. It depends on the employer. 
I have a, a response to this poster. Somebody had replied to him uh, talking about engineering. He said, even engineering can be dicey. My better half graduated with a BS in aerospace engineering in 2010. He spent over a year interviewing but couldn't land a job. He went back to a trade school for a year and got his AMP mechanics license. Once he had that, employers started salivating over his resume. That's what I mean. This guy got a degree, a BS, in engineering and couldn't get a job. What did he do? He went to a trade school. Now, if you had gone to a trade school right out of high school, at least in 1996, you're kind of thought of as like, oh, you know, he can't, he doesn't, you know, qualify to go to a real college, you know, uh, he's going to go to a trade school and, you know, be a mechanic or do air conditioning repair or plumbing. And it's like, those guys are making fucking bank. <laughs> um, so do not make fun of those people. And trades are coming back in a big way because the value of the college degree, there's a diminishing return on that investment these days. So do the extra things. Like I had said with this podcast, I'm doing this because I want to put the content out there. I just feel like I have a unique skill set and sort of wanted people I want to have an impact on as big a scale as possible. And that's why I thought podcasting is good because it scales up beautifully. But I'm also in the back of my mind thinking about my future and my career down the line. Uh, maybe I won't always be working for my employer that I'm working for right now. And I might want to do something, you know, sort of different. And I'm going to put this shit on my resume that I was a podcaster for however long I decide to podcast for. And I would not, I would be surprised if that is not something that's brought up in an interview that I go on in the future, you know, um, just because I think people, potential employers would find it interesting and it may not even be the content, you know, even if I was going for a job, you know, completely out of psych rehab, I would share this with potential employers because I'd want them to see, you know, I did this on my own. I know how to use WordPress. So if it's any kind of job involving, you know, website updates, basic ones, I can do that. I know audio editing. I can speak well. And I kind of have a sense of what I'm doing, right? It's the podcast. I try to make it organized and, and kind of have a flow. And it's up every week around the same day. Uh, so these things matter. And it's kind of demonstrating these other skill sets that would make me stand out from the other person out there with a psych rehab degree and a ma you know master's degree that hasn't done something like this that's just kind of done the bare minimum so that's my thought on this it's it's not where it's not what you're majoring in necessarily uh, although some degrees are better than others these days but that's you know that's going to change right 10 years from now there's going to be other degrees that are in vogue and the degrees that are in vogue now are not no longer going to be in vogue um, so don't just pick one of these because you think it's got a promising future if it's not something you love you're gonna probably not be happy with your decision so try and pick something you like and do the stuff on the side that you really like and see if you can kind of leverage that into something that a employer down the line would find appealing. You know, find a way to work whatever your passion is into your resume would kind of be my, uh, you know, my final words of advice on this. All right. So the interview today, I'm extremely excited to bring you today's guest. His name is Zachary Sexton, and he's from uh, a website called AsianEfficiency.com. Kind of funny name, right? Um, but Zach is not Asian, um, and his podcast, The Productivity Show, has been just a huge help for me in developing my own workflow, figuring out which habits and rituals are make up that 80-20 to kind of a happy existence overall. Uh, his show is, is just really cool. Um, talking with him was awesome. I feel like we're sort of brothers from another mother. Uh, it was really kind of just so humbled that he would, uh, you know, help me out like this. So thank you very much, Zach. And with that, here is Zachary Sexton from AsianEfficiency.com. Okay. Welcome back. Um, once again, I'm Derek and I have Zachary Sexton here. Uh, he is on the Asian Efficiency Podcast and welcome Zach to the show. Hey Derek. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. 
Um, so I'm interested in having you on because um, our show is about uh, setting goals and, and achieving them and, and what you need to do kind of week in, week out. And I know I learned a lot of my um, kind of tips and productivity from your show. And so when kind of getting ready for the season, I was thinking about guests to brainstorm, to talk to and maybe get on the show. And so I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you. And I guess my first question is, um, what... How did you kind of become interested in productivity, given that your your podcast is and your the uh, the place where you work for is is mainly focused on how, improving productivity? Yeah, I got interested in productivity because I sucked at it. I was I was not very good. I was somebody who would often forget my own obligations. Maybe it would be work, or maybe it would be family related, or maybe it would just be a goal that I had that I just let peter out. And I kind of got sick of it. I, I just was bumbling through life still and came across, across a book called uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen. And that book uh, really, really changed my life because I realized I don't have a great memory. So instead of relying on my memory, I could just write things down and create a little system to remind myself of all the things I wanted to do. And it made such a big difference in my life that I was really excited about it and kept telling people about it. And after telling people about it for a little while, I started a little business helping small business owners do the same. Um, and then that small business, I started a blog that led me to the Asian efficiency team. I'm the uh, the Anglo inefficient guy, um, not <laughs> actually Asian. It started as an inside joke and then the blog became too popular to change the name. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so that's how I got into it. It just it wasn't something that I was naturally very strong at. I think in college I managed to get by by you know really diving into my planner and making sure that I had all my syllabus and things with me. But once I got into the working world, it became a little bit more difficult because it wasn't so obvious. I didn't have these six papers to write and these five tests to take, and you know it, what things are less clear as you uh, as you go into the working world. Especially if, in the information uh, especially in the information uh, economy that we work in, um, because a lot of a lot of the work that you may be doing or your listeners may be doing after they graduate is less clear. You're not necessarily building a house. You're 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 maybe making a plan for a, a marketing committee, or you're um, you know, you're you're writing up an article. It's just it's less obvious stuff that people are doing now. So it's it's more and more important to learn some of these basic productivity skills that you teach on on your show and that I try to teach in on my show and in our blog. Awesome, yeah. I actually um, I'm glad you mentioned David Allen. He was somebody that I had discovered. It was so random. I was just on like my brother's Facebook page one day, and somebody had posted a link to a YouTube video of him talking to Google, like a bunch of Google employees about productivity. It was like 45 minutes long and I just totally lost myself in it. And I was like, this guy knows what he's fucking talking about. <laughs> um, and I was like, and it kind of, you know, it was one of the early things I saw that, that definitely led me into it. And I, I ended up, list, I did an audio book of his book uh, last year. And uh, it definitely speaks to me. I just kind of recently um, bought a, <laughs> I bought a filing cabinet on Craigslist. I was really Im impressed <laughs> with myself because I only spent $20 for it. Um, but I kind of like did his system, you know, with the files and, you know, labeling everything. I got my label maker and uh, mm -hmm. so far so good. I, I haven't implemented everything, but he's he's definitely been uh, a big influence on me too. Um, so I heard you in, in, interview him on your show and that's really awesome. Um, and you, you interview most of the weeks, uh, really interesting guests, and a lot of them are highly productive. So I was wondering, you know, what are some of the trends that you've observed that these highly productive people that you talk to and interview seem to have in common when, when you think about productivity? A lot of these people just have systems to keep themselves together. So, I mean, we're talking about the getting things done system, which is basically you create five lists, you know, lists of things that are in process. You still you think you you might want to do something with it, but you're not quite sure. Things that are in your next action. So um, and this is like a one-off task that will won't take you very long. Projects which you break down into subtasks. Waiting for so there's things that you've asked 
other people for. Maybe you're waiting for a package from Amazon or something, and you're someday maybe. Um, so it's just five categories of things that you write down that you want to remember, that you want to keep top of mind, that you have a system for looking back at. You, re- you review it. Um, you, just, you prioritize which things are going to come up next. So it's just basic systems. So the people that I talk to, um, you know, I'm just going to look through some of the old uh, interviews that I've had. Yeah. Um, like Jordan Harbinger, he has a system for connecting with people. And and getting getting his network together, um, uh, Jeff Woods, another guy who who's also really interested in in meeting people, has a system for following up and making sure uh, he, he they stay top of mind. Um, Chris Bailey has a has a great system for keeping things um, uh, prioritizing things based off your your time and your energy and your attention. Um, Rory Vaden has a system where he. Uh, make sure he prioritizes things that will give him a good ROTI, return on time invested. Um, Hmm. So it's basically, you know, if you could, there's a tool that I like to talk about on our podcast all the time called uh, Text Expander. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is an application. It's Mac only. If you're on a PC, Brevy, B-R-E-E-V-Y, I think is how it's spelled, is a good... um, is a good alternative, and it costs about twenty bucks for this tool. So, understand as poor college students, it might not seem worth the investment, but mm-hmm. I would beg to differ because what you can do is you can take common phrases or words that you say and and have a little keyboard shortcut that then blast out the sentence, the word that you constantly misspell, which is something I use. Uh, you're just say sincerely, Derek, at the end of the email, and it'll save you hours and hours of typing time because you've got all these keyboard shortcuts. Um, so that's an example of buying a tool and then using the tool to uh, to take a few minutes up front to save a lot of time in the future. So it's I, I feel like a lot of the people, they're not any smarter than anybody else. They're not more capable. Uh, you know, maybe a few of them you know, have a little bit of talent in certain areas, but they just have systems to keep them on track. Um, some systems could be working in areas of your strength. That's something that uh, uh, my buddy Stephen Worley uh, talked about on episode twenty. So I think if it was one thing, it just they they have a good little system that that they use to keep themselves moving towards their goals and um, and and moving in the right direction in their life. Yeah, I think that's a good answer because it's it really just emphasizes you got to figure out what works for you, and um, you know I think. Yeah, I think what I get out of a lot of your your shows is I'll listen to somebody talk about their system and it might be like one piece of it that really speaks to me. And I'm like, yeah, I, I could do that or that would really help me out, you know. And then you kind of end up building your own, you know, hodgepodge of things that you borrow from different people and develop your own system. Um, so one thing I think that I find as a commonality from the people that you interview and something you talk about is the importance of uh, routines and rituals, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and specifically morning ones. And I, just from talking to a lot of college students, find that for the most part, they don't do mornings a lot. Um, not everyone, but I find a lot of people end up um, on a different schedule than you know people that have a kind of primary or work focus. You know, they'll get up later, they they stay up later, they go to bed late. Um, and in that case, I wondered if you had anything to recommend in terms of evening rituals, because everything out there, when you, when you Google rituals, I think the focus tends to be on what to do in the morning, but I have you here. I wanted to kind of see, like, pick your brain. Like, what do you think about evening rituals as opposed to morning? Yeah, I've, um, I, that's a great question. I was thinking about it a lot. I was actually Googling because I know I've read before that different, um, uh, different times that are optimal for to wake up based on age, because my girlfriend is a teacher and she teaches fifth grade math, and uh, the kids get in. So I don't I don't even know what time they have to wake up. Depends on how far they are from school, but they get in at seven fifteen in the morning. That's just ungodly. It's not mm-hmm. it's not really fair because um, I know and I, I didn't find the research because the the Sleep Research Institute their websites all down for the moment. Uh, I don't know why. Um, 
But I, I know that, that adolescents to, through probably, you know, the age, college age students tend to have a circadian rhythm that, that starts later um, in the evening and, and goes later into the morning. So it's, it's not optimal. So that's a big benefit of college is that you can choose your classes to, to start up a little bit later. Um, but I think the reason why rituals focuses in on the morning is because I think a lot of people have found that how you begin your day tends to set the tone for the rest of your day. So if you if you wake up and you've got five minutes to get to class and you're just running out, you don't eat breakfast, um, you, you know you don't have time to to do exercise or meditation or gratitude journal or whatever to get you in the right uh, headspace for learning or for doing whatever you're going to do with the day, then it tends to pile up and just have a, a very reactive day. So I think that's why the focus is in the morning. And I still think morning routines have a little bit more to offer than evening ones. But um, that being said, I think there's a lot of things you can do in the evening. So to answer your question, I would say something that you could do for your evening uh, ritual is, is planning out the next day. So take, uh, take a minute, um, put pen to paper, and just decide two or three things that you want to get done the next day. So it could be you know, writing a first draft of a paper or emailing your professor or whatever it is that you want to get done. And that way you can start the day, whatever time you start, start it, you know, be it 5 a.m. or noon, um, knowing exactly what you're going to do. Another benefit, too, is you can take advantage of that time you're sleeping is uh, you, can, you can be processing that information. So let's say you want to write that paper. When you sleep, you could be thinking about how, you know, what arguments you could form, you know, for uh, Keynesian economics or whatever it is that you're writing about. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of pushed me back to the importance of why why people talk so much about morning rituals, right? It's like it kind of, in some ways, you can substitute it in the evening because you're not waking up, unless you're waking up in the evening. But um, yeah, it, and so maybe the takeaway there is, you know, wake up a little earlier than five minutes before the start of class. Cause I, I know that's hard because I used to do that myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it probably is more important. Um, though I do like the evening ones too, to kind of set yourself up for first thing in the morning, if that's not your thing. <laughs> um, so I know one thing that is another kind of trend amongst college students <laughs> that I've spoken to, and specifically ones I think that do have the extra barrier of, you know, depression or anxiety is procrastination. Um, I've seen it kill a great deal of college student dreams. <laughs> um, what are some tools you found to help with procrastination or resources, or, or what do you have to say about the topic in general, um, especially when you think about college and uh, success in, in goal attainment? Yeah, procrastination is a, a tough one. And unfortunately, it doesn't always end after college, but I know that was probably the time in my life that I suffered most from procrastination. And I think a lot of it had to do with just feeling like certain projects were so big that I didn't know where to start. Um, especially, you know, if it's a 20 page paper or, um, uh, reading a, a, you know, a big book to study for a test or whatever it happens to be, it's kind of like, ah, this doesn't seem like something I want to do. So I'm going to go distract myself with something else. I'm going to go, you know, to the next dorm over and play some Halo or whatever it can, whatever it is. Um, and some techniques for just getting started. One of them I, I kind of hinted at before is just break it down. So if you've got a really big project, breaking it down into a little subtask is something that's helpful to make it seem less overwhelming and making the first and second task on that really easy. So let's say you're writing a paper. Um, the first task could be think of a name, you know, or write the title page or go to a site and get your bibliography all sorted out or whatever it is. Just make it something you can do in a couple minutes get that initial momentum rolling. Um, another technique that uh, that's worked well for me, I don't know if I used it in college or not. Um, if I didn't, I, I wish I had, but it's called the Pomodoro technique. So another name for it is time boxing. 
And what this is, is just setting a timer for 25 minutes and working on one thing for that 25-minute session. So, you know, maybe you're, you've, got, um, uh, you've got five classes, let's say, and instead of saying, oh, man, I'm just going to go to the library and hit the books, and just say, I'm going to do a Pomodoro for all of my classes. So I'm going to just work on 25 minutes for all of my classes. And then you, you, know, you open up your, your math one and be like, all right, I'm going to get through these work problems. Set a timer and, and go for it. The benefit of that is, is a couplefold. One is it reduces that initial inertia of, of starting because you're like, well, you know, math sucks, but 25 minutes, I can handle it. Um, but then also it gets you focusing on one thing because sometimes you can feel a little defeated if you go to the library and then you, you're there for three hours and you come out and you're like, not even sure what it got accomplished. So you decide what one thing you're going to do. And that'll give you a little bit more forward momentum to hopefully get you out of that rut of procrastination. That is awesome. I have never heard of that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be looking that up. Um, I think it's really cool because you could do a couple of them back to back, I would assume, right? It, 25 minutes almost seems optimal to be like 25 minutes on and maybe five minutes off to you know refresh, stand up, get a glass of water, and then go back to it. Is yeah, that's yeah. you know what? That's exactly it. I'm surprised you haven't read about it because mm-hmm. that that is the technique. Is you you work for 25 minutes, you take a five minute break, and um, the the guy who created it, his name was Cirillo Cirillo uh, Francisco. I think his name is an Italian economist, and Pomodoro is just Italian for tomato. Mm-hmm. He used a tomato timer when he was getting his PhD in economics and having a hell of a time writing his thesis. So he just started that tomato timer and then wrote for 25 minutes and then took a break. And he did that four times. And at the end of the fourth session, he took a half hour break. So that's kind of the, the work break cycle he used. Really cool. And once again, kind of highlighting what you said earlier just kind of speaks to a system, right, of kind of getting things done that will work for you. Some people probably will hate it because, you know, they want to get really into something. But I find kind of like what you seem to to be headed is like, you know, shorter bursts over, you know, a longer duration than like, I don't know, I always tell people on the show, like, don't block out three hours to study. You know, you'll be done, you know, mentally after an hour. Um, So, yeah, kind of think of it like exercise. Short, intense bursts tend to get you in a lot better shape than long aerobic. So you can spend, you know, three hours lazily moving on the elliptical or the riding bike. Or you can spend 25 minutes going freaking ham on a CrossFit type workout. One's going to get you in a lot better shape a lot quicker because it's about intense focus work and then recovery. Yeah. And like you said, just a little bit easier on the mind to kind of start. You know, it's easier to commit to 25 minutes than three hours of anything, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, and also, I mean, when you're the same thing goes where you, you start a three hour session, like, well, you know, oh, gosh, where am I going to start? I, I guess I, I need a little break. I can just go on Reddit for a minute or two and. You know, it ends up just not being as quality of work. I I can relate. Yeah. And I, I do that little, like, just do one thing to start a big project, too, a lot. My one thing is, like, I'll just, if it's, like, a large project that I'm going to be doing, like, on a, you know, a text file I'll um, or, like, a PowerPoint presentation, I'll just, like, my first step is open up PowerPoint. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> and, you know, save, you know, start a saved title, like, you know, whatever it is. And then I'll just leave it open. So then at least the next time, I don't even have to do that. It's like already open my computer and it's like that constant reminder of like, hey, don't forget about this PowerPoint. You haven't written anything yet. <laughs> um, so I can relate to that. And when you're, you, you've made a point too where people, some people may resist it saying, well, 25 minutes isn't enough. Well, if you, if you set that timer and you find yourself in flow state and, and you know, maybe you're a con- computer science major and it does take you about 20 minutes to even get into the programming that you're doing, then just keep going, you know, let it go. And, and you've already beat your procrastination because you didn't set, you set the bar lower. Your, your success has already been reached after that 25 minutes. If you do a 90 minute session, then you're good to go. I, at 90 minutes, I would take a break then. I think that's tends to be the limit of most people for, uh, for their high intensity work. Even people who, 
you know, maybe you think you can go hard for five, six hours in a row, but really your your mind's losing focus um, uh, more often if you if you're not taking short breaks and then getting up and going again. Yeah, yeah, I can totally uh, see that. All right, let's talk about goals for a little bit. Um, this show is all about setting goals that kind of tie into a passion, something you want to get done, but maybe you're putting putting on the back burner, so to speak, because you're in college and you're supposed to be focusing on that. And some people, the goal is is in college, but everybody here is kind of take, you know setting a goal and then taking steps toward achieving them. I really love um, Asian efficiency's definition of productivity. It's just really simple, and that's why I didn't even have to look it up. Um, it's consistently take action on your goals. What is it about goal setting that is so important at Asian efficiency, um, and maybe just personally? Why do, why do goals matter to you? Well, I, I mean, goals are just what you want to do with your, your time and your attention and your energy. So if, if you're not directing your goals in your life, if you don't have a vision of what you would like to do either with your, um, your time or what you would like to produce or what you'd like to see in this world, then you're going to likely just be working for somebody else's vision. Um, and, and that's okay. I mean, sometimes people want to do that, but I feel like having your own goals with regards to the important areas of your life, let's say your relationships and your health, uh, your finances, um, your, your college, your education, um, all of those things are, are important for you if you just want to direct your life and be in control of your life. So I, it personally, I think that's why um, why it makes sense to get clear on, on where you want to go, and, and that can change. Um, I, one of the simpler exercises you could do, and it, you can take as much or as little time as you want with this. Uh, on a road trip with my girlfriend, I, uh, we, we took, I think, three hours. We've got this like 3,000-word uh, document of our perfect day. So we just described you know, what time we would get up and Believe me, it wasn't the time we're waking up right now. It was a little <laughs> later. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's got to be at school, and I figured I would just support her. And I, I tend to think a little bit more clearly in the morning, so I'm a morning person. Uh, so I, I'm okay with it. Um, but yeah, just think about how you want to live. Because I, I think goal setting can be can be pretty abstract for a lot of people. Like, you know, I want to... Um, you know, have a million dollars, or I want to have a perfect body, or or whatever it is. So those goals can be a little abstract. So if you if you think of just well, what do you want your life to look like, and base your goals off that, and and maybe some of the values that you have, and base your goals off of of living up to those values. Yeah, yeah, great. It definitely speaks to sort of a, a personal statement. I I kind of really believe in is this idea of like you got to design your own life, um, or else someone else is going to design it for you. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a way more succinct way of saying. But, yeah, no, I think <laughs> that's kind of yeah, exactly where you were going, and, and what I heard sort of in the beginning part of that answer. Um, so awesome, uh, you know. Many of the people that listen to the show have mental health issues that crop up from time to time. You know, things that like we re- referenced earlier: depression, anxiety. Um, is there anything that you've learned at your time at Asian Efficiency or personally, you know, from the people that you've interviewed or, or otherwise that effectively target things like depression and anxiety when it comes to achieving goals? Uh, one thing that I've been doing the last two, maybe three years on a daily practice, yeah, about two and a half years now, is meditation. And uh, I, that helps a lot. I, I've Actually, anxiety is something that comes in and out of my life as well, um, so I can relate. And I think what meditation does, and there's a lot of different types. I tend to use the vipassana style, which is you pay attention to the breath or the mantra, or um, or maybe do a little visualization. And when you notice that your mind is wandering from that breath or uh, visualization, you just Say, oh, that's interesting. There's a there's a thought there, and then come back to um, come back to that mantra or, or you know that 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 centering thing that is not all the thoughts. And w- what will happen when you try to start doing this is that you'll notice all of the 
crazy, sometimes negatives, um, sometimes just random thoughts that are coming into your head. And it's amazing that we get anything done with the amount of noise that can be going on in there. Um, you'll also notice that, that certain thoughts are, are incredibly repetitive. Um, so uh, thoughts like, oh, man, you know, I don't know if I'm smart enough to pass this class. Uh, you, you might think that thought 30 times in a day. And what meditation allows you to do is start to notice those when they're coming so they don't repeat themselves so much or, and, and distract you so much. Um, so an application I use is called Headspace. I think there's a, there's a, you can do 10 days for free and then it's a paid application if you want to go into and do different meditations there. Um, Calm is another one, but there's a lot of really good resources out there to get you into meditation if you've never done it before. And that's really helped with my anxiety. Um, and another tool that can help is journaling. So there's a lot of different ways you can journal. I kind of journal in like a productive way, like oh, what did I accomplish today? Uh, um, so, you know, try to do a little gratitude uh, and and a few other things. But you could just journal thoughts and just notice those coming out too. So I think it's about if you suffer from um, from anxiety or depression, it's probably because you've you've got some some thoughts running around in your head repeatedly. And the more awareness you can bring to them, and just be like, oh, those are thoughts. Those aren't me. It's just kind of a thought that happened, um, and separate yourself from those thoughts. The uh, the easier it is to to do, deal with them. They they feel a little diminished when you're like, oh okay, I see you over there. That's fine. Um, but that's just that's my personal experience. Those those two techniques have helped me. Hey, you're speaking my language. <laughs> um, I owe actually, I think I owe Asian efficiency a, a great deal towards developing my journaling. I wouldn't call it a habit, but I, I, I use it more as a tool. Like when I'm stressed, I know that I need to write down what I'm feeling. You know, I, I think I, I should get better at the whole, you know, doing it every day thing, but it definitely helps me in times of, of need. Um, and I need to, I need to get into the meditation one. I actually have somebody I'm going to be interviewing a little bit later in the uh, semester who's like a mindfulness uh, guru kind of person. So I'm excited to, uh, to kind of be following up on that. So cool. stay tuned, guys. There'll be more coming in that area. <laughs> um, all right. So I know you went to college. <laughs> um, what would you tell your college self? If you, you know, knowing what you know now about productivity, I'm sure you probably were not quite as productive uh, in college as you are now. Um, what would you tell yourself, maybe one or two sort of pieces of advice, if you could kind of go back that you think to yourself, like, this would have really helped me in college had I just known about it at the time? Yeah, I think the mindset that I've only recently gained over the last, uh, I guess, probably since working with Asian Efficiency, but um, I used to, I wasn't lazy. And I would, but I didn't always feel like um, I had the all the smarts that I needed to get through college. So I, what I what I did is I made up for it in just working really hard, um, which tended to give me pretty good grades. I think I did well there, um, but I think I would have tried to find things that more aligned with my strengths more often. And limited the amount of time that I I gave to uh, certain tasks, so they just wouldn't expand to fit the amount of time that I gave them. So I, I know there was some times where I probably spent twenty hours on a paper that if I had maybe used the Pomodoro technique or um, or just not had uh, labored so you know intensely on the research part end of things and just actually got into the writing part of things could have been done in a fraction of the time. So I think um, rather than just thinking work really hard and things will come out, it's work a little smarter and, and things will turn out. So uh, yeah, a few techniques like the Pomodoro technique and, um, and planning my days the night before I think could have been effective for me rather than just go to the library and just see what I had to do that day. Um, so I think those, those would be some things that I would give tell tell 20-year-old Zach. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think those would have been helpful in my world too. 
Um, all right, so I really appreciate having you on. I'm going to steal something from your show now, kind of flip the tables. Um, one thing I really like at the end of your show is when you have interesting guests on um, is they talk about a book that has really kind of influenced them, a tool that they use that kind of is really important in their life and in, in productivity, and a ritual that they find really helpful. So what do you think? Want to play along? <laughs> yeah. Um, so do that. awesome. What do you, what's one book that has been really kind of influential that you would, you know, maybe <laughs> urge eh, maybe on summer vacation or winter break if they're, uh, you know, stuck reading textbooks right now um, that they, you think people would get a lot out of or that you've gotten a lot out of? Hmm. You know, what's uh is getting things done would be kind of the obvious choice, but that's not an easy book to read. And, and unless you're, you're wanting to, adopt some system to make sure you keep track of all of your to-dos. Uh, it might not be the most interesting read. A, a pretty decent, um, uh, fun read is the, the Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. It, uh, it, sh- it shows you on an individual and a business and societal level how habits get formed. And um, it's, it's, it's really simple. It's three little parts. I won't spoil it for you, but The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg is, is a great read that can help you as an individual, and then it's just also kind of an interesting book, how, uh, you know, learning about how different habits happen in society and, and culture, so it's pretty interesting. A ritual that I would suggest, um, yeah, I think if you haven't tried it, just, just give meditation a try. Um, it, it could be as simple as, you know, set your alarm clock a couple minutes earlier and count your breath to 10 three times, you know, something, something like that. And, um, just, just seeing how it fits you. Uh, there's a lot of guided meditations that you can find if, if that's something that you want to do. Um, I'm going to sound a little silly, but the Deepak Chopra and Oprah ones, I think are pretty good. Uh, those, those are a little longer they're at 20 minutes, but they're a nice, uh, slow intro into meditation. So that would be a ritual and a tool. I'll go back to text expander. I think that's a really kick-ass tool. It, and you know, allows you to get a lot more writing done a lot more efficiently. All right. You heard it there, guys. Check these things out. I'm going to, uh, you know, put some info about uh, these things that Zach's recommending in the show notes for today. So you'll be able to, uh, you know, click on those if you want to learn more. Um, all right. Thanks a lot, Zach. Um, just wanted to see if there's anything um, else in terms of like how people could learn more about you and kind of the stuff that your work does. Yeah. So the productivity show is the name of the podcast and I work at a site called Asian Efficiency. And if you guys want to find me, I'm I'm on Twitter at ZW Sexton. I feel free to just tweet and say hi or if you have any questions, you can find me there. And you could if you go to the podcast or the uh uh the Asian Efficiency website, you can figure out a way to get into contact with me other ways too. Okay, man. Thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Really appreciate having you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Derek. Okay. Welcome back. Really hope you got some value out of that interview. Uh, I sure did in doing it. Um, So as we wrap up, let's talk about our home exercise this week. Uh, So fess up. Did you do it? (laughs) I hope so. Uh, Just to review. So in the first week, we talked about setting a goal and thinking thinking about it in terms of my five factors. We talked about passion, value, leverage, accountability, and sustainability. Last week, we thought about what you need in order to really be happy and kind of improve your well-being. Consider what happiness achieving your goals would bring you. Write down your goal and why you want it. You know, we talked about the accountability behind why it's important to talk about your goal with other people and write it down. This week is all about sustainability. How are we going to set ourselves up for success in achieving this goal? We really need to start kind of making, taking some some action. Uh, So just as the semester's picking up, you know, working on these goals is, is hopefully going to pick up for us as well. So your exercise for this week is to pick one thing Zach and I talked about this week. You know, it could be, you know, developing a system of organization, journaling, meditation, 
even if you wanted to to factor in the the tip I gave at the beginning of the podcast about you know reviewing your notes, something that's going to help you in reaching your goal. And then I want you to block out space in your calendar to do that thing, or at least get started doing it. What's the first step? Break it down. You know, if the tiniest step is just opening up that document and you know saving it as the name of the file you want. Um, do that, you know, hopefully do a little bit more because I wouldn't block out time just to do that. Um, we're looking for preferably a good, healthy habit or ritual that will become part of your, your workflow and your routine. And that's going to make it much easier to attend to it on a daily basis, weekly basis, you know, whatever frequency you want to be kind of taking, uh, action on those, taking action on your steps towards that goal. So. That is it for today. I hope you got, uh, I hope today's uh, interview really, you know, made you think about something that's going to help you be more productive as a college student. That's why I'm bringing it to you. And thanks again, Zach. Hope you all have a great week three. Thanks again for the podcast music, Rob, uh, the intro and the outro. And have a good week. Peace. Peace.